I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There is no better group of plots for flower power and forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Making this podcast, sometimes it's like shelling peas. Although I hope you don't find too many maggots your end. And today I speak to an expert on that very subject. Andrew Bird from ProVeg joins me later to discuss the best way to grow garden peas, mange to, sugar snap and the best cultivars for flavour and disease resistance. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay Sponsors of this podcast. What a week. The things to do just keep piling up. Last Thursday, for example, I was at Cooling's Garden Centre in Knockholt. They had it all polished and clean for delegates for the International Garden Centre Association conference. That was based in Windsor. Actually, I smiled a bit because they'd organised a a Spitfire fly-past and then on Monday, uh, we went to Clifton Nurseries in Maida Vale in North London to be briefed on the Barley Awards. That's the British Association of Landscape Industries. And then on Tuesday, it was Glee. I mean, that's the big garden trade exhibition held every autumn at the NEC in Birmingham, where there were, I think, about 500 exhibitors all showing their wares. Uh, and the... Uh, retail world, seeing what's new and placing orders. Thursday then I was off to Cambridge to see trials and today of course in London. At Glee there were over 380 new products and plants uh, presented and for the first time for many years a plant actually got the best product uh, over the whole show a variety called Xero uh, chrysanthemum, Granvia Gold. It's a remarkable plant. We had it on display at Gardener's World Live. Uh, a really stunning thing. Deserves to be popular. And in the uh, category for pots and containers, then Primer won the award for their symphony range. Didn't surprise me because uh, they're made from recycled tyres. I mean, that is... Uh, just the job for today's mood of sustainability. Actually, if you think about it, rubber is very comfortable to handle, will stand all kinds of weather, uh, will last pretty well indefinitely, and uh, their particular designs have a built-in reservoir. I think they'll be very popular indeed. What I don't understand uh, is what I call tat. So many people now seem to like to have metal and plastic ornaments all over the garden. I mean, who wants a life-size gorilla or tiger peering out at them through uh, all of those uh, shrubs and bushes, (laughs) particularly at 250 and more a time? But there we are, 
There's no accounting for taste. I won't be able to make uh, the Harrogate show this week, uh, but I do look forward to reports from Steve and Val, who are going. Uh, It looks as if R.V. Roger at Pickering are going to stage another really uh, remarkable exhibit of apples. Marvellous season, isn't it, Uh, for those, and a good time of year to put them on display. What's new this week? Well, I can tell you there's no let-up in new plants coming through, and I was very interested to see that at the Plantarium exhibition in Holland, I didn't get there, I'm afraid, but, uh, well, not this year, uh, the top award went to Clematis Little Lemons. It's one of the Tangutica types, and we had it at BBC Gardeners World Live and and have got one pot of it at uh, the Floral Fantasia area at the Royal Horticultural Society Gardens at Hyde Hall. Uh, The Tangutica types have small, rich yellow flowers with really thick sepals, and of course they're followed by those fluffy old men's beard seed heads but in the case of little lemons it just flowers non-stop a really remarkable plant so it was nice to think that we had our finger on the ball as far as that was concerned i've just had to the annual report from the charity perennial uh, that uh, helps horticulturists and gardeners who fall on hard times Uh, they've had a pretty good year by the look of things Uh, donations are up by 14% uh, um, and the money that they've allocated they spent 126,000 for example on training horticulturists and they've helped those in difficulty to claim 1.8 million in benefits in the past year very good charity recommend it to you and, and also recommend that if you hear of anybody uh, in distress in the horticultural garden trade, then head them in direction of perennial. They'll get some good support there. Uh, the news from uh, the Royal Horticultural Society Garden at Hyde Hall is uh, really interesting and quite exciting for me because it looks as if we're going to be able to extend its season. The flowers there are blooming and blooming so well, in fact, that... Uh, We think we can extend the opening certainly well into October and may even be able to to take it beyond that. It's uh, proving remarkably popular. Lots of people sitting in our big chair or on the wooden toadstools having their photograph taken. I was interested too to hear from two colleagues over from Chicago at the weekend about cut flower peonies coming from Alaska, apparently in North America, Uh, Alaska had got quite a niche uh, in the market for cut flower peonies because their blooms came a little late. Of course, uh, niche markets don't survive very long in this day and age, and the Dutch have now found a way of storing cut stems in bud, which threatens the Alaskan trade. I don't know whether any of you have bought cut flower peonies, but I understand our Sainsbury's have actually imported some and offered them as a novelty. You know, Alaskan peonies must be quite a talking point if you have a bunch in the house at home. When it comes to gardening advice, we've cleared the sweet peas from Hyde Hall, and now, of course, is the time to prepare soil, ready to sow in the 10th of October, the perfect time. But it is worth checking through the catalogues and ordering sweet pea seed so you've got them to hand. 
potatoes need lifting too. Uh, if you've got any in ground, get them up before slugs do their worst. Just leave them on the surface for a few hours in warm weather so that the skin's dry. Pop them in paper bags, not polythene, whatever you do. Needs a paper bag or a cardboard box. And then they'll store very well in frost-free storage. Dahlias too are producing a, a lot of shoots and it is worth uh, disbudding a few just so that you have the one big bud at the top of each stem to make them more suitable for cutting. They'll respond to uh, regular watering, especially in my part of the country where it's still very dry, uh, and once every week or ten days. Uh, when you do that watering, add a bit of fertiliser. I was asked this week to recommend uh, things that could be sown in a veg truck now. And of course it's the perfect time to sow salad leaves, uh, land cress. Uh, uh, and all of the brassica-type salad leaves sown now, you could be cutting them in six or eight weeks' time. On the garden centres too, you'll see spring cabbage. It's a bit late to sow them, uh, but if you've got some spring cabbage plants and set those out, uh, ideally with a bit of mesh over the top, just to keep the last of the cabbage white butterflies off them, uh, well, and pigeons too, if you're in a suburban area, they'll crop pretty well in those raised beds. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Whenever I uh, voyage out into the horticultural trade, I bump into people with uh, experience and knowledge that uh, puts me to shame. And uh, just recently I went to the Pro-Veg Trials in Soham, Cambridge, and I met today's guest, Andrew Bird. Andrew, how are you today? How's the weather with you? Well, very well, thank you, Peter. Um, yeah, it's a lo lovely day here, a bit breezy, but uh, we're starting to get into the autumn uh, time, so uh, it's, it's a still a nice, pleasant day here in, in, in Lincolnshire. Now, now, you started your working life with a company called Sharps, I believe. I did, yes. Yeah, I, I joined the, the company uh, in 1976. I left school and went and went straight to the company, very very traditional company and 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 a lot of people um joined the the, the local seed business and and they had done over the years shops were been been very good that they'd taken people directly from the schools over many many years 
and, and so how did you get in? I mean, sharps were very strong, weren't they, with what we call the large-seeded crops, peas and beans? That's right, yes. But they were, they were a, a company that weren't involved with uh, cereals and agricultural um, or, or cereal seeds, but, but, but very strong on, on the vegetable seeds, grasses and clovers. Uh, and roots and other vegetable uh, seeds and they also had a packeting range at that particular time which um, uh, was marketed through uh, like local uh, seed merchants so uh, uh, why peas especially for you um, it was a chance really um, I'd done various different uh, roles from starting at the bottom and uh, the pea section uh, at that particular time had had, had uh, a couple of people that had left, and and uh, an opportunity arose for me to to go into that section, uh, and uh, I went in and and have enjoyed it ever since. And, and we need really to distinguish between the three types of garden peas, don't we? Yes, there's there's um, the the wrinkled seeded type which is most of the market uh, and that covers also the uh, the vining market which are, are vined through the uh, mechanical machines uh, for the freezing and to a lesser extent these days the canning market and uh, sharp sharps were very very big in that, that particular area but they also supplied a lot of peas to the local garden shops market and the packeting seed trade but more recently we've sort of moved from shelling peas to uh, marsh to and sugar snap i mean that's quite a dramatic change to what happened traditionally yes it has well really the 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 marsh to peas only really came onto the market probably well, it probably is 40 years ago now, and there were some very, very tall varieties, sugar purple and sugar tall white, which are the, the flat-podded monge twos. Um, they were mainly bred in, in the United States and, and were used into the garden trade in, into the UK. But they did get a lot of um, interest as, as a different way of eating peas, because up to then all peas were shelled. As those have developed, um, quite a lot were used in Central America, into the Guatemala market, uh, where you know, the UK supermarkets will be buying the, the flat-podded um, monge to eat all peas from that market. But even that market has now developed in a different way because the whole pod, what we call more the sugar snap types, uh, are now more prominent than, than the flat ones. Uh, and I think they are nicer as well. They're probably a little bit sweeter as well and they've got a little bit more substance to them. And over the years, the breeding of those varieties has produced more with uh, less stringiness in, in the pod, which was the first problems that they had when, when these types first came out. I mean, when you snap one of those sugar snap peas... It just cracks, and the pod is really thick, isn't it? Yes, it would be it is, a millimetre yes, or two it has, thick. It has a thick, fleshy wall, and, and uh, but it, it's, it's got a lovely succulent uh, flavour to it. And I do, I do think for the, the fresh pulling market in the UK, where we're not shelling peas out, and that, that really is the way forward. And you've only got to go to local restaurants, and, and, and they're serving 
peas like that uh, as much now as, uh, say, dwarf beans and, and uh, pole beans and things like that. Yeah, and and if, as a gardener, I wanted to grow something, I, you know, I see you list sugar sprint, sugar heart, sugar lace, sugar lady. I mean, again, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're always spoilt for choice. That's but, right. but, but how do you make that choice? You know, which... Well, I mean, one of the best early if you like, grounding for the seed trade in the peas that I, I, I did was uh, in, in my early days at Sharps was actually going round trial grounds and, and recording different varieties and actually you know, munching my way around the trial grounds really because that is the, it's still the best way to get the flavour of the peas and, and, and understand what, what, what is required in, in the market and, and sometimes people do that and, and, and find something that is suitable for for a different market that they've not thought of before. Yeah, you know, in your catalogue listed, I see Sugar Lace has the RHS Award of Garden Merit. So, um, is is that a pretty good place for gardeners to start? Yes, I I, I, I do like the Sugar Lace. I think it's it it has got a, it, it is a lovely variety, and and like I say, it, it, it's more of a snap type and and. Um, got a lot of flavour and, and it's quite fleshy as well so it, it, it is a nice variety that is and to go back to the podding kinds which i'm afraid as a, an old traditionalist i still like yes um all kinds of things are being done there aren't they with taste and with uh, disease resistance yes that, the, the breeding is going more down that line but most of the breeding these days is predominantly uh, done for the vining market where they're going to be vined on a set day and and they're all going to be ready at that particular time uh, taste is important in that area and and but maturity is as well and ease of harvesting uh, so that they don't get a lot of trash and dirt in in the sample and and so those varieties are, are tending to go towards the semi-leafless varieties which is leaving behind the, the garden market i think a little bit because i think in a, in a garden you don't probably need the semi-leafless ones there's some very very good semi-leafless varieties but i think some of the the, the old leafier ones uh probably just got a, a little bit more taste they're a little bit more meatier as well well before we get on to that taste aspect um, i mean the semi-leafless and the leafless if you grow them in containers having all those tendrils is quite useful isn't it yes it, it is yes because they, they support uh, the, the plant supports itself really and, and and so it stands up a little bit better the problem with the whole fashioned varieties was that they flopped all over the place as, 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 the, as the pods uh, formed on, on the plant and i see that uh, listed you've got a, um, a variety called tom thumb that appears to have very uh, uh, small pods one of the more modern semi-leafless would give us more yield wouldn't it yes it would um yeah i mean i mean tom thumb's really been been bred with that in mind and it is one of the few new varieties with, with a gardener in mind really whereas uh, you know, a lot a lot of the new material tends to be uh, found if it's suitable for the for, for that market on the back of the breeding for the um, processing market oh, so tom thumb was specifically bred for us gardeners it was yes yeah uh, and what about that term a double sweet that you mentioned the sweetness is is all about the uh, pea as it's 
at its maturity, at it, it, it its prime time. Um, the um, vining trade uses a, a test which is called a tenderometer test, uh, and it's the amount of sugars um, formed in, in the peas that's at the optimum time. Um, gradually, as the pea matures further, uh, the sugars gradually turn to starch and, and uh, to the point when then it will eventually dry out in, in the pod for, for dry harvest. And then you, you have to pick those almost to the hour. That, that's right. And, and that's, that's the problem where, with, say, some of the more modern varieties that's come from the, the, the vining trade because they are specifically bred to be mature on, on a, you know, nearly within the hour and, and, and picked at that particular time. And, and within a few hours, they, w- they will go over and start to lose that sweetness. Uh, and, the, and the vining companies are, are, are very good on that, that, that uh, you know, that they're frozen within uh, an hour and a half of being vined into the factories. So you're going you're to have a job in the garden to match that although that is is the problem a little bit yes yeah yeah although you mentioned to me that uh, a good old favorite onward yes you you thought was uh, still a better bet i i i I still think the (laughs) virtues of the pea the variety onward it's i mean we've gone down the route of um small is beautiful in, in 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 lots of food but and actually, in my opinion, the, the, the pea onward is, is, is quite a big uh, pea when it's in, in, in the pod, but it packs a lot of flavour. Uh, and uh, it, it's sweet. It has a very distinctive uh, flavour. Uh, you get less um, of, of the seed coats in it because you've got more meatier pea in there, and it's still sweet as well. And what about early onward? I remember that being introduced. Well, early onward came out I'm, 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 from from memory and looking uh, through old records. I'm, I'm sure it came out just a little bit uh, after the onward, and and it's still available. And it's the, the two varieties in the garden, which you know, early onward obviously does exactly that. It, it, it in maturity it will it will mature before before the onward be. Um, but it's got a very very similar pod. It, it's um, uh, nice big peas in the pod and, and very very sweet again. And and then we have um, what for me is another standard green shaft. Uh, there's a story going that Prince Philip, as a fairly young man, trialled all kinds of peas in the uh, Royal Gardens at, at Windsor, and he picked green shaft uh, and insists that green shaft is grown both there and at Balmoral right. <laughs> <laughs> well I, I can understand why because a green shaft is a slightly different pod to the onward because it's, it's slightly curved but it's very very long but but whereas onward and early onward you're probably only going to get eight peas in the pod with green shaft uh, usually you get ten um, so it's a really lovely pea, and, and 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 some people would probably even use it as a show pea as well, for that matter. Yeah. In your garden, will it be green shaft or onward? I still like <laughs> the onward. I I, 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 I just it, it's just got a certain flavour that that I associate with it and appeals to me more. And and I'm I, I don't think I'm wrong in that because 
around the world, onward is still used quite extensively. The, the, the countries where where they're still picking peas as, as fresh products, uh, such as North Africa, um, they're still using them in, in, in Portugal and, and Finland and places like this. And the variety is grown around the world, um, uh, New Zealand, uh, still in America. So it, it's a variety that's been around a long, long while and stood the test of time. Interesting, isn't it, when you think it of is. how skilled our plant breeders are, yeah. that one or two of these old ones, for special reasons, just survive, yeah? Yes, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it was sent over to New Zealand to do production from the UK, uh, even in the 1930s, believe it or not, uh, and they did some disease resistance and selections of it, so that the, the selection we probably use today is probably slightly different from what was originally bred, but it has a little bit more disease resistance on, on that. Um, it still can suffer with downy mildew a little bit uh, and even powdery mildew late on in the season, but it, it doesn't get some of the other viruses that um, you know peas from some of the varieties in the 50s that did get. So New Zealand probably did do a little bit of selection work there and, 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 and kept it... Uh, going longer than probably some other varieties but again it, it stood the test of time and and and, I, and i'm sure it's now nearly 100 years old so that says it all and it's been it's still being used around the world amazing one other thing sort of switching tack i'm afraid andrew yeah. you mentioned um a pest of broad beans that was um, rearing its head again. Yes, it, um, the brookid beetle, um, and it, it is a pest that is gradually moving north uh, through Europe, and I, and I link this down to global warming, because I'm sure if we had colder winters that, that it would uh, just check its progress. And um, certainly... I think it was about 12 years ago, it might have even been 15 now, I lose track of time, it decimated the vining crop on, on broad beans that was particularly grown around the King's Lynn area. And uh, it's March north, one few years ago it had got to, to, to Yorkshire, I understand last year, and it was a really problem last year, but we've had some very, very hot, weather conditions which which enabled it to 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 breed in its life cycle in a, in a quicker turnaround and and uh, but i understand now it's getting to the scottish borders and i'm, I'm sure the, the the scottish growers that now grow the vining beans uh vining broad beans i should say um are, are beginning to get a little concerned about it if the gardeners autumn sow, as they will be doing in October, will they avoid it, do you think? I, I think they will, yeah, it, it, because um, it, it, it really needs um, warm temperatures in that middle of summer. I, I mean, it attacks all visier fibre beans, so that includes your broad beans and your field beans that's grown in the crop for, for dry product uh, for, for the commercial markets. And as that acreage has gone up, it's obviously enabled the the uh, brookid beetle to um, you know, survive a little bit better and give it a food source. Adam, it's fascinating to talk to you. Uh, thank you very much for giving us your time today. That's uh, all right. And I must include Onward, it seems, it, in my seat well, list for I, next week. I like it. I, I, <laughs> I, certainly Onward and Green Shaft are, are generally grown in my garden, certainly. <laughs> <laughs>
My tailpiece is about begonias. I was speaking to Johan uh, from Holland and he reminded me that if you look at begonias, particularly the tuberous-rooted large-flowered kinds and begonia rex, they always grow in one direction and have a flat side. Have you noticed that? And so if you want an all-round container of begonia rex, you need, really need two plants and set them back to back. One of those quirky things that happen in nature. If you can tell me why begonias grow flat and in one direction, I'd be very interested to know. We can tell autumn is on the way too because uh, bulb workshops are appearing. For example, there's spring bulbs for pots at the Castle Garden Centre in Sherbourne, Dorset. And there'll be lots more, I'm sure, over the next few weeks. My thanks to Sutton Seeds at Torquay, sponsors of this podcast. And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 